As I was researching the 964, I discovered something that shocked me. Was the 964 actually boring? Well, perish the thought, but the history of the 964 is anything but exciting. I found myself looking for anything that would shine an interesting light on the magnificent third generation of the 911. Was it the many patents that were filed during the design? Could it have been the inclusion of four-wheel drive? Either way, the backstory is more akin to the mild-mannered Clark Kent, but the actual car is definitely more like Superman. Today, we will take a look at the superhero and alter ego of the Porsche 911, or Type 964. Welcome to Porsche, never substituted. I'm your host, Will Veach, and today was a difficult podcast for me to write. You see, unlike the earlier models of the 911, the 964 really has no troubled past. It essentially is the kid in the family that got straight A's and never stayed out late. It set a fine example for its future siblings and was essentially an honor student that made its parents proud by receiving accolades by the boatload. This version of the 911 was really more like the Clark Kent of the DC Comics. But just as Clark Kent turns into Superman, the 964 turned into a beast of a 911 and a version of the car that was a fan favorite. Now let me be clear, I'm not saying the 964 was Clark Kent, but the backstory is definitely more like the self-effacing, normal guy than the hero. Or was it? Superman once said, The amazing can only be created by facing fear, risk, and failure during the process. And that is exactly what the folks in Zuffenhausen did. The plan for the redesign of the Porsche 911 really started with the introduction of the ridiculously ahead of its time Porsche 959. Development head Helmut Bott said in October of 1986 when asked about the future of the 911, quote, I believe that the basic concept of the 911 is so interesting that something will always occur to us that will keep it attractive. The best example is the 959 which shows what can be achieved with this concept. Actually, in this respect, I have no concerns that we will have to replace the 911 with a completely different car one day. Here we can certainly follow the path of evolution. This will not be in the form of a cheaper 959, but rather a better 911 and a better 911 Turbo. Naturally, these cars will be positioned much more closely to the 959 than our current models. In essence, the 911 was here to stay, and Bott's declaration about evolution rather than replacement was well-received from engineers and customers alike. Porsche was concerned that Japanese automakers like Honda with the NSX and Toyota with the Supra were going to be unwelcome competition and come into the Porsche segment. They were worried that these cars would cause Porsche to lose business and sales, so the team needed to create a whole new version of the 911. The German company was not going to let the 911 die, but it needed a facelift and some changes in technology. One of the things that was essential to the new version would be the inclusion of all-wheel drive, but there were significant challenges to incorporating the cutting-edge technology. Strangely enough, one of the biggest challenges to the 4x4 was the luggage space. When I think of a 911, the last thing that pops into my head is luggage space. But the development team needed to tackle the issue, and they met that challenge by using a plastic fuel tank instead of a steel one that could be molded in order to create space for the luggage. See what I mean about Clark Kent? 
Another Clark Kent moment is reminiscent of his glasses, and that is the integrated bumpers that were introduced during this development. Superman, however, was lurking underneath those glasses as the wide slots at the bottom of the bumpers recalled the look of the 959. The story may be more Clark Kent, but the car is definitely Superman. During April of 1984, the Lost was ready for production of the 964. Now, the Lost is the development guidebook that Porsche uses as essentially the Bible of development for any particular range of cars. As you can look at Clark Kent and clearly see Superman, the same can be said of pretty much all Porsche 911s. The core or soul of the 911 is always there. In revamping the 911, the designers and engineers of the 964 had very strict guidelines that they had to follow concerning the 964. You were allowed to have a facelift, but everything above the headlights was off limits. It had to still be recognizable as a 911 and not so drastically changed as the 959. Originally planned to be released in August of 1987, the 964 was delayed until November of the following year. While the aesthetics were being ironed out, the team was busy at work on very Clark Kent-like things, like the aerodynamics and the newly constructed wind tunnel. One of the things that came from those sessions was the innovative rear spoiler. The new spoiler would be hidden and would deploy at 50 miles per hour via an electronic motor and you could manually raise it by a button underneath the deck lid. That particular feature of the car would be patented by Porsche and not only look good, but also decreased rear lift all the while cooling the engine. Another patent that Porsche was granted was for the twin ignition cylinder head that helped fuel economy. You can read all about that and many other Clark Kent type stuff in Carl Ludvigsen's book, Porsche, Excellence Was Expected. He goes into incredibly great detail about things like concentric coil springs, drag coefficients, and noise emissions. All above my head, but I'm sure it's fascinating to some of you. One not-so-little change that I mentioned earlier was the inclusion of all-wheel drive. This presented challenges like the aforementioned luggage space and one fairly serious issue with placement that led to the brief consideration of moving the fabled rear engine elsewhere. The 4x4 could be one of the most enduring things from this variation of the 911, however. No small part of the 964 came to pass because of the advances the 959 made in technology. That car was incredibly ahead of its time, and we will talk about the 959 in a later episode. Many things from the 959 are still in use today, and it is no wonder that those cars routinely sell for upwards of $2 million plus dollars. Good grief, a wrecked 959 sold for $467,000 in 2017, and that is considered a steal. The impact the 959 had on the series of the 911 was profound, but not all-inclusive. The 964, while borrowing technology, had 85% new parts. Now, that's not to say that the 964 didn't have some areas of kryptonite, especially in early development. Issues with cooling power issues due to the changing emission standards, silicone chip computing problems at higher engine revs, and even too much oil remaining in the engine that caused bearing issues. The power issues alone were cause for concern as the 222 horsepower was far below the projected output. In a note from engineer Paul Hensler to Chief Helmuth Bott before taking his August 1986 holiday, Hensler painted a pretty dire picture about the newest 911 and described the poor situation of the 911's development. Added to that was the decision in October of that same year 
to postpone the launch for another year and a half. Like any setback in a superhero movie, the team got to work and addressed all of the causes for concern with ferocity. New systems were put in place for cooling, oil, power output, and computer microchip problems, not to mention a new induction system for the 964 motor and a new and complex exhaust with three-way converters. Upping the power of the 3.3-liter engine was also a priority as the engineers went from 97mm to 100mm bores. The new cylinder bores made it necessary to increase the displacement to 3.5 liters due to the spacing of the cylinder heads, but that wasn't enough to reach the power goals of the Porsche team. So the decision was made to increase the displacement to 3.6 liters. Finally, in a Superman-like fashion, the early examples of the 964 put out 250 horsepower from its naturally aspirated flat six. Testing in North America throughout 1987 brought excitement and a little bit of intrigue as Porsche agreed to let the public see its chassis technology. Porsche had decided to show the qualities of the newest 911 and was willing to let members of the press have a look to help increase excitement and bolster lackluster sales that were happening in the United States. By April of 1988, more stories were circulating about the new Porsche that had 85% new components, and the press incorrectly labeled the 3.5-liter motor because the 3.6-liter power plant was changed so late in the game. With the model being unveiled to importers in May, the world would finally put a name to the 4x4 911, the Carrera 4. Although the team in Zuffenhausen was proud of the work that they had done, there were some that were definitely unhappy not the least of which was Vindelin Wiedeking. Wiedeking was concerned that the 964 would not get value from using the 85% of new parts and told Bott that he was destroying the company. Because of the attitude of Wiedeking and the board, Helmut Bott actually left the company two years shy of his 65th birthday and mere weeks before his 911 creation was launched. Like all superheroes, the press loved and hated it. Well, maybe hate is too strong a word. Some disliked the 1989-964. Road and Track said that it looked like a 911, but didn't quite act like one. Mike Cotton of Motorsport said that, It takes a while to stop expecting the Carrera 4 to behave like any other 911. But like most of the conclusions that the press came to, Cotton sums up the Carrera 4 964 with this. Perhaps the 964 does lack the sharpness of the 911. Perhaps it is sanitized and modernized, but above all, it retains the essential character of the 911 and has banished the anachronisms that weren't so lovable. In 1990, the Carrera II was offered, as well as the 911 Turbo, but the Turbo version was really a carryover from the 3.3-liter 930 with just a few alterations. There were also the Targa models available as well, which I think, frankly, are beautiful, and Cabriolet versions of the 964. One thing to not overlook, out of many that I'm sure I missed, is the transmission options available with the 964. Now besides the five-speed manual gearbox, Porsche opted to go with a four-speed automatic they would dub Tiptronic. Porsche had been working on a state-of-the-art PDK, that we all know at this point, with the 959, but because of the costs associated with it, it decided it would be too expensive for the already overpriced 964. Other 964 variants would happen over the next few years, including a 3.6-liter turbo and what was referred to as a 911 lightweight 
that would ultimately be called the 9-11 RS in Europe, but not in the United States. Porsche felt that the RS model was not suitable for the U.S. market, but heavily devoted 911 owners, well, they clamored for the racing model, and they were rewarded with the RS America. It was a stripped-down version of the Carrera II. The weight savings of the car, 77 pounds, was enough to add additional horsepower using the 3.6-liter engine and had the distinctive whale-tail form of the turbo. There was also a Speedster version of the 964 and the not-overlooked 964 Turbo SLM GT, it's a mouthful, which was built for Le Mans. That particular 964 was a twin-turbo 3.2-liter that gave 475 horsepower. Superman for sure. Even though it wasn't produced for the consumer, the LMGT was the catalyst for the 993 GT2 just a couple of years later. The 964 run ended in 1994, but not before selling a respectable 62,000 units since its release for the 1989 model year. In true Superman-like fashion, the mild-mannered Clark Kent 964 transformed into an otherworldly being. The Carrera II would go from 0 to 60 in 4.8 seconds with a top speed of 164 miles per hour. The later 3.6-liter turbo would top out at 180 miles per hour with a 0 to 60 time in just 4 seconds. Some have said the bland design ultimately ended the run of the 964, which I disagree with. I think they are looking at Clark Kent and not Superman. Like the Superman characters over the years, with the differences in supersuits, capes, and boots, the 911 has evolved in much the same way. You still know that it's a 911, no matter how modern or how many years will pass. And like Clark Kent, the backstories might be just a little bit boring or just not as exciting as other superheroes. But rip off the glasses and white shirt, and you get a legend that continues to set the standard for all others. Thanks for listening. Please share and tell your friends, family, and fellow Porsche lover. I also want to hear from you. I'm collecting Porsche stories for future podcasts and would love to hear how your love affair with Porsche began. You can email us at stories at neversubstituted.com. Please support our podcast by going to neversubstituted.com and check out our shop links and some very cool stuff, plus a preview of next week's show. Special thanks to Dennis Schrader Photography in Austin, Texas. You can see some amazing automotive prints and artwork at FastLanePhotoWorks.com. Also, much of the information from this podcast is from Porsche. Excellence was expected by Carl Lundvigsen. I'm Will Veach. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to see you again soon.